Restaurant Unstoppable episode 455 with Debbie Sutton. You know, I think it was just believing that I could do it. Just made it happen. Are you ready for it? it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Payroll and benefits are hard, especially when you're a small business. Gusto is making payroll, benefits, and HR easy for modern small businesses. You no longer have to be a big company to get great technology, great benefits, and great service to take care of your team. To help support Restaurant Unstoppable, Gusto is offering our listeners an exclusive limited-time deal. Sign up today, and you'll get three months Free once you run your first payroll. Just go to gusto.com slash unstoppable. 89% of guests research a restaurant online before dining out. Your website is your first impression. So answer me this question honestly. What does your website say about your restaurant? Also, websites are no longer static brochures. They're dynamic tools that can help you drive revenue. Head over to getbento.com and see why thousands of restaurants trust Bento Box with their websites. And if you mention Restaurant Unstoppable, you can save up to $1,500 on initial setup. Get on it. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Debbie Sutton. Debbie, are you feeling unstoppable today? I am. Today? Absolutely unstoppable today, <laughs> yes. Eric. Absolutely. Love to hear it. So, uh, oh, before we get started, I got to say uh, a quick shout out to my boy, Grant Thompson, for uh, setting this up, for hosting me in Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, opening the doors to some some great connections. I have a list of people to, to connect with, and uh, just a special shout out to Grant and his, his support. But uh, let's... Uh, Introduce our girl Debbie, hailing from New York. Chef Debbie Sutton has 30 plus years of cooking and restaurant management experience. In 1999, wanting to offer more, she and her father chose to open their own cafe and catering business in White House, Tennessee. Today, Debbie serves as owner and executive chef of 8 Lavender Lane, a full-service catering and foods company managing 1,100-plus event meals and 250-plus thousand wholesale suites per year within the wedding, corporate, and special events arena. Obviously, we're just scraping the surface. I can't wait to dive into who you are, how you got to where you are today, but let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us? Okay. I always tell my employees, be inspired by everyone you meet and everything you see and inspire somebody every day. I, you, know what, you know what I love about that quote is that it's not just be inspired every day, but be inspired by everybody that you meet. Yes. Meaning that there's some good, there's something in somebody, somebody some, everybody you come across has something to offer, absolutely. right? Some kind of, kind of value. Do you agree with that? I absolutely do. There's something good in everyone, even if it doesn't show on the surface. Somewhere, somehow, you can pull something good from everyone you meet. I love it. So where did it all start for you? Like, when did you know that this was going to be your career? Do you, can you bring us back to a moment? I, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I was a bridge and barge painter for years. Got tired of construction and started as a cashier at Hardee's in 1986, I 1986. guess it was. Yeah. And worked for them through, uh, I don't know, maybe 89. Went on through the 90s with checkers um, and transferred back when we had our child. I had kind of moved around, um, cleanup manager, that sort of thing. And then got tired of corporate. Just got tired of it, and in 1999, I decided I was going to do my own thing. Okay, so you you kind of just got in as uh, a line cook, or what was your role when you got Actually, I got in as a cashier, and within a month, I uh, was in management. Okay, so, so they saw something in you. You were doing something, right? I guess I was. I mean, <laughs> uh, of 
course, assistant manager, manager, store manager, GM, breakfast manager, a little bit of all of it. So. Okay. So what were you learning about yourself as you, you got into the industry? Uh, did you like being a cashier? Was it, were you like in your jam when you first got started? Like how was it going early on? You know, what I liked about it was dealing with the people every day. I mean, it wasn't the actual cashiering that was fun, but it was meeting new people every day and getting to know people mm. and so getting to know what makes people tick. Were you more interested in the, the guests or the people you were working with? The guest. Okay. Just meeting people. Yeah. And what do you mean by getting, like trying to figure out how they, how they ticked? Like, would you like pull back layers? Would you like dig deep to like figure out? To, like, I would, you know, try to see what, what makes them smile. Try to give somebody a smile if they didn't have one. Just try to give back. I, I just felt like it was a purpose. Yeah, I feel like this is something you have or you don't have. Like to to, to want to bring that on to somebody, to, to be curious, to actually yeah. give a shit. That's right. right. <laughs> Part of my language. No, it's true. <laughs> I just making people happy is my favorite. Part of what I do. So within and a month, you were managing. Well, how did, did they did they say something to you? Did they see something special? Did they, did they they point out that you were good at what you did? I mean, I've I've always kind of been a go getter. Yeah. Um, I wasn't really trying to go anywhere with it. I wasn't sure at that point what my career choice was going to be. Okay. Um, but it was offered, and the pay was better, obviously. So mm-hmm. I thought, why not? I have to take my glasses off. It's I know, so I um, we're like, in we're in Nashville right thank now, you. and uh, <laughs> it's like seventy degrees out in February, and like my glasses are fogging up. Uh, <laughs> so, okay. So, any big lessons from this first experience of being in hospitality at, at Hardee's? You know, not really. Okay, I, I know that sounds crazy. <laughs> no, I appreciate the honesty. Just not really. Just learned. Well, I guess. A big lesson is how to put more on bottom line because you're dealing with such small numbers. Mm. Um, Can you get every specific? Every cent counts. I don't even remember. It was back <laughs> yeah. in the 80s. Yeah. Okay, but so like, eventually you, know, you leave Hardee's and you go to mm-hmm. Checkers. Why did you make that change? Uh, just ready for something different. Okay. So you were with Checkers for almost 10 years. I was. Okay. What was that progression like? Uh, it was a lot of changes during the time that I worked with them between corporate stores, franchise stores, corporate stores, franchise mm-hmm. stores. So it was definitely a lot of back and forth between so corporate were, and franchise. Were they changing their business identity? Like their corporate, like were they trying to be corporate and then like, well, maybe we should have a franchise model. Well, or- they, yes, they were corporate, started franchising, started growing tremendous. I mean, I think they were doing a couple of hundred stores a year, which was big and then they wound up um finally merging with rallies Mm -hmm. so So, what were you doing what was your role within manager manager? i started in management okay uh, store manager so were you traveling to these different stores that are opening or were you in one spot uh i did travel for grand openings in a few different areas this was in birmingham actually that uh, i took the job with them and i was also a what i would call a cleanup manager go into bad stores Mm -hmm. or stores performing poorly and turn them around. Okay. There's training manager. Let's go deeper into this. So what would you notice if you, uh, were getting put into a new location to Mm -hmm. turn things around? Like what was, what was typically the issue in that situation? Uh, I believe it always starts at the top in management. Training is always so important. You're only as good as your worst person. So I think diving into training, showing people that they are appreciated on the employee side, giving better customer service, and then just basic cleanup inventory to watch your food cost, explaining why things are important. You know, basically it boiled down to training and uh, customer service. Yeah. So issues. how would you go in there and change things around? Like what would what did that process look like? Uh, just getting to know the people that work there, mm-hmm. finding out why they work there, what they thought of it, how they felt it could be better, what they saw wrong, and just taking the information I received from them and trying to implement it so they felt that their view was recognized and important and grew a team. Mm. 
So why, why that approach? Is there a reason why, is that how they taught, they trained you to take that approach or is that the approach yeah, that you took? Personal. I okay. just being that people pleaser, I guess I like everyone to feel appreciated. Mm. Why is that so important? Do. I don't know. I, I think so many people undervalue themselves, yeah. and uh, I just think it's important to make people feel good. Absolutely, and, and to recognize a hidden talent that maybe they don't even realize they have. Okay, just and inspire them. Can you think of a time where you found somebody who had hidden talent? I've actually found quite a few of them. <laughs> um, don't want to really name names, but yes, I have uh, worked with quite a few people, even within my catering business that started out and, you know, haven't really done this or that and just working with them and to see them bloom into uh, going from like, awkward, not wanting to speak to people to great salespeople, mm. you know, and just different things of that nature. So when you see somebody who has this talent that's uh, submerged, not really, hasn't come to surface yet, how do you bring that out of them? Recognizing it, teaching them, mm. and challenging them to be better for their self. So... I, I say it all the time, and I love that you're going here. Uh, when you see somebody who has something, it's your job as a mentor. It's your job as the manager to see that thing in them and to let them know they have it. Because a lot of the time we're working with younger people, late teens, early 20s, who don't know who the hell they are. Right. And they're or trying where to, they want to be. Exactly. And they need that guidance. They need that. that you know, we have this low road. like We have the, the high road, the top part of our brain, like the prefrontal lobe and like the low road of like the quiet things happening in the background right. where we're collecting data. And like we, when we're trying to find our role in life, our, our lane, like we draw on those experiences of people reinforcing the good things. Mm -hmm. So like you have to tell people when you see this stuff. Any thoughts on that? I, I completely agree. And, I, you know, I think something that a lot of people don't touch on out of fear for their own business is I think some people encourage, but at the same time, hold people back. Why is that? Because they're afraid of losing a good employee potentially. And I always tell mine, look, you've got this. If something better comes along, you better take it. Mm. You know, so, I think, I just think that some people tend to mentor and formulate what they need based on their business, not necessarily what the person needs mm. or where the person needs to go. So why is it so much better to focus on the person instead of your own interests? I think naturally, if you focus on them, naturally things will fall into place for you. Mm -hmm. And if it does open a door for them, I mean, you've done your job. Awesome. I love this, Debbie. I really do. Um, you're singing to my heart right now. So, uh, when you see this thing in somebody and, uh, you, you recognize that you have to bring this out of them, it's about them. It's not about you. What process do you take or like, how do you, how do you steer them? How do you pull this, this, this strength, this have this ability they have, how do you pull that to the surface? Being 100% um, real with them, uh, basically uh, seeing like a salesperson and somebody that doesn't think they have that ability. It's like, well, you're so friendly and you're great with people that you're around. Yeah, you're a little intimidated with people you don't know, mm -hmm. maybe, but you can work on that. Let's work on it together. Let's sit together through a couple of yeah. consults and you know, get you comfortable and then let's see what you can do with it. So you just coax it, you coax it out. And like you, again, it's just that positive reinforcement. Like, okay, right. like you're really good at this. Like, let's, let's encourage you. Let's, let's pull it out. Let's, let's sharpen the sword. Let's, right. let's really bring that to the surface. I try to focus on the positive. I, I don't dwell on the negative. Mm -hmm. At least I try not to. If it's something that could really affect things. And of course you have to sometimes jump in and say, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, I just focus on the positive. Beautiful. So while at Checkers, uh, were there any like other life lessons, any mentors you had during this time, any people that you respected within the, the industry that was, that was teaching you this stuff that any lessons you can drop on us? Not really. Okay. No, I appreciate I've the always honesty. been kind of <laughs> self-motivated to do what I do. And, uh, 
Not really, no. So eventually you uh, decide that you're going to open your own place. Uh, at this point, what, what year was it when you decided to go into your business for yourself? It was uh, 99, 1999. So you... You opened the cafe with your dad. Is this the business we're talking about? Yes. So okay. In May of 99, I woke up one day and I told my husband, I said, you know, I'm kind of tired about corporate, about save money, cut labor, give better service. And it, it, it's just not right. You so know, you, let's dive into this a little bit more. Okay. Uh, what? So save money, cut labor, right. and drive service. Why isn't that right? What a part what a part about the corporate life did not jive with you? So I believe in value. Okay. I think that giving people a good quality product is important. Uh, I believe in taking care of those that are there helping take care of you. So it was difficult for me to cut hours on people that have been there for years and you know, they they gave it their all. And removing, let's say, a pickle off a burger to save a penny. You know, just little things like that. Yeah. I just didn't jive with the whole corporate yeah. aspect. I mean, so I'm right there with you. Uh, I understand, like, I believe there was a lot we can learn from the corporate end of things. Systems, processes, yes. procedures, organization. Exactly. Huge, very, very, huge part of success. Yes. Uh, but I think, uh, I just recently spoke with Doug Mullins over at Weedo restaurant group in Lexington and he's the director of operations there. Mm-hmm. And he, he talks about, uh, there's like this bleed, right? I'm giving, actually, as this goes live, you guys won't have, you will, you will have recently heard this episode. So it's actually good timing, but the, it's like the yin and yang, right? There's like a bleed of both. Like you need the hospitality side. You need the human side, right? Yes. The generosity, the caring, the giving about everybody else, but you, Right? right. You know, take care of everybody and take care of yourself. That the servant leadership approach. Right. And then there's like the corporate side where it's just like rigid, like, you know, pay attention to the numbers and it's just like, it's all calculated, it's which all is numbers. In, on either. You can be successful leaning into either one of those directions, but the most successful people find the yin and the yang, the blend, mm-hmm. the mix of the, the both. Uh, I think corporates are getting better now about kind of getting they're figuring it out. Like we need to start being more hospitable if we're going to make compete with the, the small mom and pops now. Um, so do you want to reflect on what I just shared? Is that kind of, no, I think that's you- definitely true. I think there can be balance for someone like me. It's kind of hard sometimes to find that balance. <laughs> yeah. if I'm a hundred percent honest. Um, it also depends on how you measure success. Mm. Is it money in the bank or is it the differences you make on a yes. day to day? I dig it. I do. Um, okay. So you didn't like what was going on in the corporate world. You wanted a more human interaction. It sounds like is what you're looking yes. for. Uh, so you decided to go open your own place. Uh, what was it like? Like what was the vision that you had? Like when did you first have the vision? I had the vision in May of 99 or I guess end of April. And I woke up, asked my, I I didn't really ask. I told him, I said, I think I'm just going to open my own place. He's like, okay, sure, whatever. On his way to work, didn't think about it. And he got the bank statement the following month and saw that I was serious. And he's like, (laughs) "Uh, where's the money? I said, oh, I told you I was going to open my own place. (laughs) I rented a place, purchased equipment, been putting up walls, doing plumbing, you know, getting the spot ready. And he just, of course, was worried sick because we were a two-paycheck household. And here now I've not only left my job, but I've emptied the bank account (laughs) with uh, two small kids. My son was, I guess, three and a half. My daughter had just been born. Okay. So uh, we opened June 1st of 99, and we had just a carry-out lunch, and we did catering and cakes, bakery items, small bakery, like muffins and Mm -hmm. cookies. And the first day, customers started asking for tables and chairs. And the spot next to us just so happened to be available. So we rented that, finished that off, and put in a 80-seat dining room. 
And we would sometimes have a two-hour wait for lunch. Before we go any further, what was that process of opening your first restaurant like? Uh, Any challenges, any things that you didn't expect? Hindsight being 2020, would you have done anything differently? It was so easy, it's scary. And I don't want to mislead people because I know now it is by no means That's the first time I've ever had anybody on the show that said opening their first restaurant was easy. I just felt like it was meant to be because it was so easy. I mean, we literally turned in a blueprint to the health department that was approved, went in, started doing the work, purchased the equipment, put it together, came up with a name, opened the doors. What was the name? Angels. Angels. Yeah. And you were just focusing on takeout and catering. Yeah. Um, and was cakes. there a market in cakes? Yep. Was there a market for that? Was that the, was was there a need for that in the, the community at the time? There was. It was very small community. I think we had uh, a McDonald's and Hardee's as restaurant options at the time. Okay. Um, <clears throat> and a lot of businesses in that area, larger factory type businesses, and a lot of you know. Schools, teachers, churches that did things during the week, had employees, and we stayed pretty packed, and we'd catch people. I mean, we'd have people drive from Kentucky for lunch or drive up from Memphis because they heard something about us. So Okay, so what do you think you did proactively that made it so easy? Was there was the attitude you had? Like, what, what do you think made it easy? Yeah, probably the attitude had a lot to do with it because if I set my mind to something, I'm not going to fail. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I just knew I was going to do it, so I made it happen. Can you reflect back at the attitude you had, how you were feeling, what was going through your mind during this this process? Excitement, mm. uh, positive, I'm going to change the world kind of yeah. attitude, you know? So it okay. was, it was an, a very exciting time. So how do you how do you show up every day with that kind of excitement, that kind of optimism? How do you how do you stay like that? I pop out of bed like that. It's crazy. I know yeah. my husband's like, I need two cups of coffee. Me, <laughs> I pop up and I'm chattering away and have the next best idea or something. Were you always like that? Somebody was I've there a lesson been that, way. That, that you got from somebody to, to be a certain way? I've always been that way. I, I will say my great grandfather Something he told me when I was probably 13 or 14 and always stuck with me. And he always said, you'll never make money working for somebody else. You need to work for yourself. Mm. And I don't know if that's what eventually prompted me to just take the chance or what. But Yeah, it kind of reminds me of that saying, you can either go help make somebody else's dream come true or you can go make your own dreams come that's true. Right. Yeah. That's right. That's uh, right. Beautiful. Um uh, kind of this is this is kind of a tangent, but I'm really comfortable around you, so I want to go here, like because we we're talking earlier about like the corporate world, right? Right. And uh, one of the things that I think I love about the independent world is that it it, it enables more people to dream, oh, and sure. I think that's what it's all about is that self that self actualization to envision something and then become that thing. That's right. And in the corporate world, there's too many jobs where you're being pushed into molds where you can't dream, you can't create, you can't express. That's right. Um, I don't know. That's no, just kind of how I, I, feel. I agree with that 100%. I always tell people I live so far out of the box yeah. that it's hard to catch me. Um, I feel like corporate puts you in a box because yeah. they set limitations. They set particular goals and there's nothing wrong with setting goals. Um, but for me, I would just rather make them as I go. Do you, I get it. Okay. I digress. Let's go back to what we were talking about before. So it was easy. You bought all the equipment. Uh, you, you took care of all the plumbing. You were saying positive and optimistic. And I think that's huge. If you just wake up every day and you're just grateful for the opportunity to do your own thing and that you're doing, it's your vision, it's your thing. And to focus on that, like mm-hmm. the rest kind of just falls into it place. Does fall into place. Um, so, Okay, well, any challenges, anything we should know about, any lessons learned during this process that you can share with my team or my team, my, my audience, uh, before uh, we, we move on to like, the next phase of your life? I will say the first year was somewhat scary, especially come January. Um, people Christmas shop in December, so your sales tend to go down at least. So you opened in way. June, right? We opened in June. Okay. And I remember the landlord coming in January 1st for the rent check and me hiding out the back door. I think I put him off for about two weeks till I had the money to pay rent. That was probably the worst experience (laughs) I had after that. Things picked up. The catering kicked in. We did our first catering job November 
of that year, which helped. And then we had another another few that spring, and then it started transitioning over to catering. And this is you were working in the corporate environment before this. So you didn't really have much catering experience. I had no catering. Experience. So, what was that first experience catering an event? Like, did you fall on your face any of these times? Any big lessons? Any failures? Any like whoops? Oh, hysterical! Uh. <laughs> I, I have to write a book one day. Just hysterical. Uh, I had, of course, enlisted my mom and dad, my husband, friends. Anyone I could find to help with it. Uh, the couple, they were the sweetest couple. And they were getting married at the mansion here. And, uh, of course, I was very nervous because the, the owners of the mansion were very strict. Was this the first the time. time you walked into the mansion? It was. What was yeah. the thing that you said when you walked into the mansion that first time? Well, I was so nervous all the way here. Paint and the picture then, of like coming coming here and seeing the mansion and everything. Well, just trying to load everything up. Okay, <laughs> and make sure you had everything together because you were driving 30 minutes to the venue and you've never done this before and nobody knows what they're going to be doing and you're just trying to tell them it's going to be fine you know <laughs> and a little nerve-wracking on the way here and then you get here and you unload you know in the back but the minute I walked through the door I just I looked at my husband I said I'm going to own this place one day where are we like, sitting right now? We're at River <laughs> Riverwood Mansion. It's okay. uh, an events venue yeah. in East Nashville. Sorry, what, what did he say? Uh, he said, you're crazy. You don't even know what you're doing. You know, what? what's wrong with you? Don't focus on whatever. You need to <laughs> be in the right now and tell us what we're doing. You know, it was so comical. And then I, I remember uh, the groom wanted fettuccine Alfredo. And after, towards the end of the buffet line, you know, we had restocked and the pan, one of the pans got left on a stove reheating and it burned up. And my dad, typical New Yorker, he's like, just throw the pan away to my mom who's worried to pieces, you know. So she puts the pan in the garbage and about 30 minutes later, I just remember my dad looking and seeing a pan in the garbage saying, who threw this damn pan away? What's wrong with people? And I, you know, so it was definitely a, a comedy show for sure. But, uh, but we did, we do own the mansion now. So yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah. And that was something that was kind of cool. I got the tour when I, when I got here and, uh, just the power of, uh, putting it into the universe, right. And saying it out loud and like, Absolutely. and owning it, like and having that vision. And if you, you know, if you work towards it, if you have the vision, if you commit to it, like you, you will, it will make happen. It, happen. it yeah. took 15 years. And mm -hmm. I think just about everybody around me had given up, but I still just knew somehow it would happen. And when it did, I had employees that, I mean, haven't worked with me since probably the year 2000, comment on uh, social media and call and say, wow, you said it was going to happen and I'll be darned. You made it happen. That's so cool. So uh, any other crazy stories, uh, any like, like lessons learned, uh, experiences you had that kind of like set the tone afterwards? Oh my goodness. I could go on forever with lessons learned. Give me one more <laughs> before we move on to the next phase. Uh, uh, Let's see. Lessons learned. Don't ever forget your chafing dishes. <laughs> I mean, I, there it, it goes on. I mean, comical, comical. Just be organized. Yeah. Organization is definitely a key to success. So what's the key of staying organized? Having great people around you that are OCD because I am not an organized person. <laughs> <laughs> and what do you notice so. about these people who are organized? Like, how do they do it? Do, have you picked up any like habits they have, things they do to stay organized? You know, I've really tried and I think I've gotten a lot better, especially over the last couple of years. But I think they see the world differently. They see things in black and white um, where I consider myself a creative mm. I am on another plane <laughs> and just know everything's gonna be fine it's gonna you know we'll figure it out so having people around me that are grounded and realist has helped mm. it has helped beautiful um so eventually you uh you're when how long did you have the restaurant the cafe I think we wound up keeping that going for two years. Okay. And then we went strictly to catering and wedding cakes. So why'd you make that change? It was a tough, tough decision, but it was business-wise the best decision because you're paid before you go out the door. Mm. There's no waste, less overhead. Um, 
it was just the right decision. My mom had passed away. So we were, I mean, she did a lot in the shop. Mm -hmm. Um, it just seemed like the right decision to make at the time. Mm -hmm. And, and the catering had picked up quite a bit. Yeah. We had been doing quite a bit for music industry people at that point and, uh, lots of weddings. Who's the coolest person you've met catering? You. Uh, you know, I have to say I helped a friend of mine cater in an event and Dave Grohl was oh, nice. pretty darn cool. Nice. Down to earth guy. Cool. So you, you, you pull up some really cool things here. The, the power of shedding things that you're not the best at right. and focusing on cash forward. Cash will be what grows your company. If you can have, you know, cash sales. determines what you can do. Absolutely. Exactly. You got to have sales. So if you, you got exactly. So if, with that cash flow, you can do a lot. So if you can focus on the cash flow, you're not focusing on the cash flow, but you, you know what I mean? Like you're focusing on the, the experience what it takes to get yeah, the cash flowing. Yes. Um, but also would you say at this time you remember the, the best caterer in, or no. could you be the best caterer? Could I be the best caterer? I probably could be. Yeah. Well, the thing is, if you do one thing really well, you're going to go way further doing one thing really well and trying to do a bunch of things okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. There is a lesson that I did learn. I'm sorry to go backwards. No, it's okay. But it just hit me like a ton of bricks when you said that. Please share it. Never put all your eggs in one basket. Okay. Yes, have focus on one area, but don't put all of your eggs in one basket. Okay. How has that served you? Um. Hard lessons when you depend on uh, maybe a contract and then all of a sudden they shut down or it goes away and that's where your focus has been Mm. because then you almost have to get out and rebrand yourself or reintroduce yourself to the community because you stopped focusing on the, the vision of doing multiple types of catering to look at only maybe one type of catering. And if that goes away, so yeah. I'm not sure how that equates in a restaurant situation, but I could definitely say you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. Maybe, I don't know, like maybe for, for a bigger scale restaurant, don't put all of your eggs into one market. If you're like, have multiple locations, don't rely on one location to carry the rest is there one way go. I can think about That's it. That's a great way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's the 80, 20 principle, which a lot of people say, you know, the Pareto's principle, like you get 80% of your yield from 20% of the, the the work that you do. Right. Uh, so there is some value to that, to focus on what, where you get most of the yield, but don't like, you know, be careful not to put everything right. on that one. Yeah. You can't have just a backup zoom plan. in on that. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Cool. Be flexible. Flexible is another yeah. definite thing in this industry. You have to be flexible. Cool. Why is that so important? Well, in catering specifically, um, I mean, I've had people add 200 guests on two days before the event. Uh, a lot of people, if you're not flexible, you'd shut down. So how do you build in room for flexibility? How do you, how do you prepare for those moments where you need to be flexible? You just have to breathe and know it's going to be okay and deal with it. You know, it's, it's just about knowing it's going to be okay and figuring it out. I love the, uh, adrenaline rush I get from solving problems. So for me, it's, it's the way I operate, which isn't necessarily a good thing, but those grounding employees yeah. I have help keep me. But when you're, earth. when you're so, uh, just focused on the solution mm-hmm. and you don't let the actual stress of the, the problem get to you. Think about how much energy you waste stressing out. It's ridiculous. If you just put it into the solution Ex- exactly. and, and go with it, yep. your solution's going to come a lot quicker and probably be a pretty darn good one. Yeah. And just those emotions, they, they flood your brain. They flood your ability to be creative and to find those solutions. Uh, and it opens up more possibilities to get to the end result. Absolutely. It's so powerful. Um, okay. So eventually, so you close at some point you guys stop catering. I'm assuming because you did some traveling to, to learn. You went to school. No, I still kept the business going during that time. Okay. So so we haven't even touched on that yet. Mm -hmm. Um, so kind of talk to why you made those decisions to kind of, uh, progress as a professional and your, your titles that you had and all that. Okay. You're going to really laugh at this one. (laughs) I submitted a quote to a bride and she responded back saying she did not feel comfortable using a chef that didn't know how to spell I don't even remember what the word was, but a particular ingredient. 
And that cut me so hard. And I thought, geez, if I'm going to do this for the rest of my life, I really need to educate myself. Mm. You know, it really hurt because I am the world's worst speller. Mm -hmm. So bad so that sometimes Spellcheck can't even help me out. (laughs) And uh, it just so happened that Spellcheck did something wonky with whatever. I cannot for the life of me remember. (laughs) You'd think I would remember. But I thought, wow, if I'm going to do this, I really need to educate myself. So I decided to go and um, get my bachelor's degree, which I did in three years with two small children and a business. It was a lot of hard work. I bet. Um, But there again, if you just know you're going to get through it, you do it. You do what you have to do. Uh, I did manage to travel to um, Italy for a study abroad program. And I lived there for three and a half to four months mm-hmm. and was lucky enough to be able to have my family join me for oh, the last beautiful. three weeks of it. So, What year was this that you were out there? Uh, let's see. It was maybe 11. 2011? Yeah, I think it was 2011. Okay. So yeah. your kids are at the age where they can <clears throat> actually like be able to take it in. They're like late. Uh, I or- think. And, like, and maybe 12. Okay, that's a good age to be out there with the family, I guess. Yeah, 12 yeah. and 15, somewhere close to that. And I wanted, one thing I've always told my husband is I don't want my children to think that the world exists between White House and Nashville. I want them to know that it's such a bigger place and we're just a little pin spot yeah. on this map. So for me, it was so important to give them that experience to go overseas to see things that they were interested in. My son loved World War II. He wanted to go to Berlin, Germany. Um, So we went there after Italy. My daughter wanted to go to London and see the castle. So we went there. And then I have a lot of family um, growing, you know, my grandmother, great grandmother, so on was from Paris, France. And it was my dream to always go and see what they grew up like where they grew up and experienced that culture so we stayed in Paris for a couple of weeks and the kids really got a good you know feel for life and they know now that they can travel and Mm. the world's not just Nashville (laughs) not that anything's wrong with Nashville but it's just so much bigger so what were you doing like who were you working with what were you learning Uh, obviously you're cooking you're you're learning about food Mm -hmm. but what did you learn aside from the food and from the people that you were working with at the time who were you working with at the time over in Italy yeah yeah so Lorenzo Pellegri dear dear friend of mine now he's been to James Beard house multiple times Mm -hmm. great person um learned a lot about just getting back to basics, using seasonal, you know, before that was even super positive, mm. you know, uh, popular. <clears throat> Trendy. Yeah. Uh, using like, you, what was available. Yeah. I like to say that that is no longer a trend. Uh, we can, we can label that as a movement of, which a, is awesome as a change of yes. the, way, the way we are. Absolutely. Uh, so sorry, keep going. So, uh, Beyond that, we went to multiple wineries and olive oil and just got to tour all of basically middle, the middle of Italy. And it was just phenomenal. But I think I learned a lot more about myself than anything. Uh, It was tough to leave my kids and Mm -hmm. husband for that length of time. It was hard to leave my business for that length of time. I had to learn to trust, truly trust um, employees. And they did a great job. Uh, trust, you know, that my kids would still love me when I got to see them again. <laughs> uh, and it's kind of funny because when I had the opportunity, I wouldn't make the decision. I spoke with my children and my husband and said, I want you guys to take a few days and think about this. I have an opportunity, but the decision has to be yours. And they all voted, you need to go do it, mom. You know, we want you to do this. Mm. So, so you said uh, you learned a lot about yourself and one of the biggest things you learned was about trust. Yes. So get specific about what you learned about trust. I have a hint or like a, an idea, but I want you to really dive into it. It's, it's very hard to sometimes for me to let go and have faith that somebody else is going to treat something I created as if it was their own Mm -hmm. or how I would like it to be treated. So just being able to trust that 
they would take care of my clients and take care of the business as if I were still there and a part of mm-hmm. it was that was a big deal for me. But you forced yourself into a situation where you had to trust. I had to trust. And I think that's the only reason I was able to do it. Because prior to that, I just, you know, I was always So in the what's the of lesson everything. there? Uh, that you can trust people. Yeah. I think it's yeah. also, you you got to give trust you do. before you can get it, right? That's You've got to give it before you can get it. Yes. And, and uh, you know, it, you won't ever know until you do it, but it has to be genuine. It has to be authentic. And you're in a situation where you, you're forced into it. And I feel like a lot of people never get up to the point where they can work on their businesses. And that's essentially what you're doing. You're working on your business by right. taking care of yourself, right. by teaching yourself so you can bring this back to your business. But you'll never get to that point where you can work on your business if you don't trust your people, uh, if, if you're too busy working in your business all the time. Because right? you won't even see the problems that yeah. could be there. You're right. You become blindsided. So when did you come back from Italy and uh, how did you come back? How were you different when you came back? Let's see. I went in January. was back in April. Um, how did I come back? I came back definitely changed, um, realized I could live with a lot less, just less stress. I feel like the less you have around you, the less stressed you are. So Mm -hmm. minimizing things, Mm -hmm. um, and that can apply in the business as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think. How does that apply in the business? Give me an example of how you took that lesson of less is more. And how did you apply that into your business? Streamline. Um, easier paperwork instead of 10 different clipboards and folders. You know, just keep it all organized. I guess organization plays into that, yeah. which I always depended on employees to do for me. So I did learn some of that. But not having to have all the fancy gadgets and, mm. you know, not having clutter, just clean lines, less stress. I dig it. So it's the 2011 going into 2012. You come back, uh, we're like six years ago. How has your business evolved in that time that you invested in yourself? Uh, you became a chef, you have all these things. Where is your business now versus where it was when you first got started? Wow. It's changed tremendously. (laughs) When I first came back, I was doing a lot for the local music industry, a lot of CMA uh, award after parties and things of that nature, some of the larger scale things, more so than weddings. When I left, it was predominantly weddings. Mm -hmm. We came back. It was a lot of corporate. uh, Started thinking about, you know, a venue because we weren't sure, you know, Riverwood was still owned by the previous owners. I didn't want to give up the dream. I knew I needed a space mm-hmm. to do a little bit more and spread my wings a little. And uh, one March afternoon, I got a phone call. Uh, one of my chefs and I were actually driving to go pick some stuff up at Farmer's Market. And it was the previous owners. And they said, it's time for us to sell Riverwood and it chooses you. Are you interested? Mm. And that was, that was life changing. It was on 65. It's like, I'll never forget that moment. <laughs> and I said, absolutely interested. So we did purchase the event venue. Riverwood. So what, take us through that experience. <laughs> like you got the call, you're on the, the highway talking. What was, what was the emotion like? Uh, disbelief, tears, happy, nervous, you name it, <laughs> it was there. And I'm usually a pretty laid back person. I get hyper and excited. I'm, I am very passionate, but, uh, that took the wind out of me because it was like, wow, this is going to be a reality. And then the, the negotiations were a whole other thing. It was like up and down every day. Is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? Is it gonna, yeah. you know? So that for a good month was pretty stressful. Yeah. So and I try not to stress out much, but how did you make it happen? What do you think you did showing up to those negotiations? What was it about you? What was it about that transaction that, that made it happen? You know, I think it was just believing that I could do it. Mm. Just made it happen. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, so I'm curious when, when they said, 
we're going to be selling the mansion and the mansion chooses you. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did they know that you were interested in it? Were you, did you make it known often that you were going to buy this place? Did you, did people know, like, is it something that you said frequently? Probably every time I came here to cater for years before I went to school, we, we in-house catered for them eventually after being here a year, uh, from 99 to 2000, just working a few weddings. And then they had asked us to be in-house caterer. Mm. So we did that. So there is things happening. Like you scaled into this opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but just again, the power of putting it out there, the power of stating it, uh, people can't read your mind, you know, like you have to sell, tell the world what you want. That's right. (laughs) That's right. And you know, that's, that goes back to like inspiring people, even with employees. It's like, you know, maybe you do want to raise, but I don't know that unless you tell me, Mm. be honest. Mm -hmm. If you're not happy doing, you know, a certain position, let me know. Let's see if, because you know, you want, you want somebody to be happy with what they do to have that best possible outcome for your clients or other employees. So, so important to speak, just talk. Yeah. Oh man. I love this. Uh, so, okay. You, you have the, the mansion now. Um, were you in the position to have it at the time? I'm curious. Was there, was it, it, was it attainable for you? Did you have to kind of reach a little bit beyond where you were to acquire it? Were there any struggle, struggles there? Or were you in no, the position it where it was? No, it was obtainable. Okay. Um, the previous owners were very good with the way we worked everything out. So it was it was beneficial for both sides. So what did you learn from that experience with the negotiation? Were you saying, like, this is what we can do? Were you very real with them about the situation? Absolutely. Okay. Totally honest and stood ground. Mm. Very important. Stand your ground. Don't settle for anything less than what you really want. What did you stand your ground on? Um, price. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, when, how, did you have somebody appraise the property like on your own? Like did, were there two separate appraisals? How did you know the value? At the time, the value probably wasn't there. And I can't really tell you how I could even forecast, but had a good feeling that this area was going to come up. There had already started been, being some uh, changes happening in the area mm-hmm. because it was a pretty rough neighborhood for mm-hmm. a long time. And now East Nashville is one of the hottest spots with the real estate. Mm-hmm. It's the hip area, you know, just uh, gut, my gut. Mm-hmm. Man, uh, anything up to this point, Debbie, that we haven't touched on? Anything that we uh, could go deeper in? Anything that, um, an area you were hoping we would discuss? I mean, I think we've covered a lot. I don't. Yeah, we uh, have. I know the only other part of the business that we've started doing is the wholesale division, which has been a pretty phenomenal experience. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's pretty cool. To mm-hmm. be able to sell to other people, we have other caterers that use our desserts mm-hmm. and some of the larger convention centers that order lots from us. So, so any lessons you can teach us, anything like specific about what we should know, lessons to be, to ha- be, to be had if we are interested in, in starting a wholesale division? Learn how to say no. Okay, why and is that I so important? I say that because me being the people pleaser that I am would get an order for a couple of thousand somethings 24 hours in advance and I would do it. Mm. But uh, thanks to my wonderful pastry chef and some hardcore employees, they've taught me you just sometimes have to say no. Mm. And one of the largest accounts we have, I got because I told the chef no, not once, not twice, but three times. And he had us back in for a meeting and he said, do you know why I use you or choose you? And I said, no, chef, I don't. And he said, it's because you told me no. You're the first person to ever tell me no. And you always do as you say you're going to do. So by saying no, it earned that trust. Yeah. Back to the trust. Huge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, And plus everything you say yes to, and this is a a saying I love, is something else you have to say no to, you know? So. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So saying no is really important. Know your boundaries. Yeah. 
know your employees boundaries and you know if it's going to mean you put out a subpar product it's really not worth it mm, i love this uh we're at a good point right now to take a break to, to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back Payroll and benefits, it's hard. Sometimes it feels like this foreign language, especially for small businesses. I mean, you, you're too busy running your business. You don't have time to be an expert in all things taxes and regulations. That's why there's Gusto. Gusto is making payroll, benefits, and HR easy for small businesses. Modern technology does the heavy lifting, so it's easy to get things right. PC Mag and Fit Small Business have called Gusto the best payroll for small businesses. Gusto will save you time. 72% of customers spend less than five minutes to run their payroll. Gusto is more efficient and reliable. Four out of five customers actually reduce payroll errors after switching to Gusto. People who succeed in this industry have access to systems and information, and Gusto will provide both. You no longer have to be a big company to get great technology, great benefits, and great service. To help support the show, Gusto is offering our listeners an exclusive limited-time deal. Sign up today and get three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to gusto.com slash unstoppable. G-U-S-T-O dot com slash unstoppable. All right, guys, it's time to get real and answer this question honestly. Does the quality of your website match the quality of your restaurants? If the answer is no, you need to do something about it because 89% of your guests will go to your website before going to your restaurant. So you've got to make sure you're bringing it to all aspects of your business. And this is where Bento Box comes in. Not only will Bento Box help you deliver your brand and your story online, but it will help you leverage the full potential of the internet because websites are no longer static brochures. They're dynamic tools that help you drive revenue. With Bento Box, easily update menus, promote events, share press, sell gift cards, take catering orders, and book private events, plus way more directly from your website. Find out why Bento Box is trusted by thousands of restaurants around the world, including past and future guests like Suvla, Pizza Emily, 11 Madison Park, The Meatball Shop, and more. Head to getbento.com and make sure you mention Restaurants Unstoppable to get up to $1,500 off your initial setup. We're back. And the first question I have for you is what is your it factor? A habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success. I think I know what it is. Not being in a box? Not being in a box like that. I think it's just your optimism and your your positivity and just knowing that it's possible and just yeah. you know showing up with that 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 energy to, to conquer anything. Yeah. It's beautiful. Some uh, people call me a unicorn. <laughs> like you believe in unicorns. But yeah. I love it. Uh, what is your biggest weakness? Well, organization. Mm. And how do you overcome that? Great employees. Yeah, I love it. Uh, what's one question you ask or thing you look for during the interview process? I usually ask why they would like a job with us. Like, mm. what is it about our company? Is it just a job for a paycheck or does it dig deeper? Is mm -hmm. it because you want to learn something? Mm. Usually, cool. What about our company? You know, so you're just looking for your significance. Yeah. Cool. Uh, what is a, a current challenge today? Today, the challenge is the market because Nashville is growing in leaps and bounds. Um, we have a catering kitchen offsite from the venue. We really would like to expand, uh, but trying to find property and then having the capital to build out and do it's, it's tough. Mm. So that is a challenge. So how are you overcoming that? Well, we're just going to stick with what we have and try to grow and just move things around and see how we can accommodate. Share one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team. This is how teaching your team how to be. It's all about presentation. Everything is in presentation, whether it's the way you present yourself to a client 
whether it's how you set up a buffet, how you plate a plate of food, everything is in presentation. Beautiful. Uh, what is one standard of service you teach your team that's standard within your catering operation, but not standard within the industry? You do whatever it takes to please the client. Mm. I mean, period. Whatever it takes to make them happy. Mm-hmm. It's kind of funny. <laughs> I was thinking, like, I was just about to say, um, never say no. No is like not in the vocabulary, but you just said I learned how to say. It depends on the client. If we're talking like a wedding guest, then you do whatever that person needs. If you're talking wholesale, it's okay to say no, but at least explain why. I love it. Share an online resource or tool. Uh, Cater Source is good for us. Okay, they they offer catering information from vessels, types of vessels, to trendy things coming up, to, you know, uh, customer service, planning techniques, all sorts of things. Awesome. Uh, What is one piece of technology you've adopted in your uh, catering business that has a positive influence on operations? Well, we're about to adopt, and it has been very positive. Um, Just saying we're going to adopt an Alexa so that we can just holler out, hey, what's today's menu or what time do we need to leave or tell me when, you know, set a timer for this. So we're kind of looking forward to bringing her in as an unpaid employee. So you're talking about the the desktop like like audio uh, computer Alexa. The little thing where you just holler whatever you want. And what does feature it of that is the most exciting for you? Which one? Why are you most excited about that? Because you don't have to stop what you're doing to look at paper mm. or go into the office and pull something up. You can just it's like having ask an, for an employee like, that has all the answers. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I think it'll be kind of fun. Nice. This is the last question. It's a doozy. You ready for it? I'm going to try. Yes. If you got the news that you'd be leaving this world tomorrow and all the memories of you, your work and your operations, your catering businesses, your restaurants would it be lost with your departure with the except of, with the exception of three pieces of wisdom uh, you could leave behind for the good of humanity and for uh, your legacy. What would those three pieces of wisdom, those three pieces of truth be? Oh, I'm going to have to get you right back where I started because I've already told my employees to make sure if they put anything in the paper, the only thing I want them to say is inspire people every day, be inspired by people every day and be inspired by everything you see. So that's one. Or is that? That's three. Okay, so inspired. Uh, be inspired. Say it one more time for me. Inspire people. Okay, inspire people. Be inspired. Be inspired. And be inspired by everything you see. And be inspired by everything you see. So weird, but when I can't think of a menu for a client, I walk through Home Depot and it comes to me like that. I feel like that to me. That's just gratitude. Maybe of just being being thankful. thankful for what's right there in front of you. That's right. Notice, be present, be happy for what you have, not what you don't have. That's right. I love it. This has been a great conversation. <laughs> Thank you so much, Debbie. Uh, we wrap, <laughs> we wrap up every episode by calling somebody out. So who's one independent restaurant operator or caterer uh, in the industry? Maybe professor, prof, prof, wow, I can't talk right now. Preferably somebody in Nashville uh, that you think I should have as a guest man, mentor on the show. You know, somebody that I look up to um, because he was in the catering world at one point in his career. He's a hard worker and he's awesome guy is Trey over at the farmhouse. He also just opened the Black Rabbit. Trey. Yeah, Trey is a pretty cool guy. Trey, look out. I'm coming after you. I'd love to get you on the show while I'm in town. And uh, let the folks at home know if we want to follow what you do, if we want to maybe pick up the conversation. We have a question about uh, the business, or maybe more importantly, we want to come join your team and work with you, get mentored by you. What's the best way to connect? Uh, Email would be great. Okay. And that, excuse me, Debbie at the number eight, lavenderlane.com. And that's Debbie, D-E-B-B-I-E. Yes, thank you. Awesome. Uh, Beautiful. Thank you so much, Debbie. I'll have the links to uh, the tools and services uh, in the uh, summary of today's discussion, plus how to connect with Debbie all in the show notes. Head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash Debbie Sutton. That's D-E-B-B-I-E-S-U-T-T-O-N. And we'll 
have everything right there for you. And again, Debbie, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to share your story, to share your knowledge, to share your mentorship. Uh, We are all better after listening to you. And there is no questioning. You are unstoppable. (laughs) (laughs) There is another episode wrapped up here at restaurants unstoppable. And this is like probably one of the toughest parts of my job. And that's just trying to narrow down like two or three things, big takeaways from a conversation. And um, man, first I just want to say Debbie was so much fun to be around. She gave me a tour of the mansion while I was there. And uh, this place is beautiful and you can just tell she's so proud of it and she just loves it. And it's funny. She mentioned that this place chose her. And I think that she really does have a connection to the energy of this building. And and I really do believe in in a way uh, that it, it did chose or choose her. And that's one of the big lessons I, I took from this episode. If you want something in life, you got to live every day, uh, chasing that thing and you need to declare it. You need to say it out loud and let the world know that this is what you want. And uh, if you show up every day working for that thing, getting closer to that thing, uh, eventually the world uh, will unite you and whatever that thing is, uh, people will know, you need, but you need to put it out there and that's on you. Uh, and, uh, you know, awesome stuff on just the idea that uh, a failing restaurant always starts from the top down, the people at the top down. And when you're trying to recover a failing restaurant, that always starts with the people, uh, changing the people first, changing, uh, their, their culture and letting them contribute to the solution, letting them be a part of creating a vision and creating those systems and processes and, uh, really changing the people, changing the lifestyle, uh, is where it all starts. Uh, there was also some great, advice on our responsibility as restaurant owners. And I love this, this role. And she has this role, the sense of, of, of responsibility to uh, bring the best out of people. When you, when you see something that somebody is good at, or they're, they're passionate about, uh, bring that out of them, bring their strengths to the surface and let them know, reinforce that so they can, uh, you know, get on a correct path, a plat, a path they belong on. Uh, And that's your responsibility. Uh, to push people almost like you're pushing them out of your restaurant, right? Like you're you're developing them so that that they can eventually leave. Uh, I mean, if you're lucky, you can retain them and make them a partner or whatever. But you need to never hold somebody back because of your fear of uh, losing them uh, because they've progressed beyond your need. That is so selfish, and uh, it's really our responsibility to to mold and provide opportunity to the future. And it's those who do that the best who are the most successful. Uh, so counterintuitive sometimes, or if you're lucky, very intuitive. Um, so anything else? Uh, yeah. One other thing I wanted to talk about, uh, in something that comes up a lot, uh, just speaking with all of my guests, uh, the power of focusing on, uh, your strengths and leaning into doing one thing better than everybody else. Uh, and, the reason why I'm bringing this up, it came up a little bit today and it's, it's, it's uh, easier said than done, especially uh, if you're super, uh, you know, ambitious and always dreaming and always trying to to do more. Uh, Something that I kind of get myself in trouble with is always trying to do that little extra thing to provide more value. And the truth is the the best way I can provide value is by doing what I'm already doing even better. Uh, which I mean by that is just doing the interviews better, going deeper, finding better people, developing better relationships, and being very intentional about the content, the people I'm speaking with to give you guys uh, the best knowledge that's out there. Uh, and I've been doing a lot of reflecting, uh, kind of got back into meditating and re- recentering why I'm here at Restaurant Unstoppable doing what I'm doing. And the, the reason why I'm here is to to serve an industry I love to serve you people out there. And the best way I can do that is by just doing what I do best, which I believe is being a podcast host uh, and really getting to know these people and pulling the information out of them. So I'm going to be focusing on doing the podcast better uh, and really uh, providing more features that are strictly related to the interviews that I'm doing and in making those interviews more accessible. Uh, and this is kind of what some of the things I've been discussing in the past about doing some work to restaurant unstoppable. That's why I'm out here in Thailand in the first place, because my friend is helping me uh, with some programming and developing the site. So I think I'm really going to be just keeping the podcast going a little bit longer before I add any other crazy features and just trying to find out ways I can make your life easier, making my content more searchable, uh, categorizing things in 
uh, making it maybe collapsible so you can search easier, maybe even putting together curriculums and, and helping you uh, find the content that you're in search of. Uh, and a lot of this is coming from just listening to you guys, what you want. Uh, so uh, I was going to add other features and maybe have a section for webinars and for other content, but uh, just kind of recentering and remembering uh, so much of what our guests have said about just doing what you do best and letting the cash flow determine your uh, your growth. Uh, kind of, I'm taking that to heart. I'm going to try to exer- exercise some discipline uh, to not do too many crazy things with the platform and just focus on creating the best freaking podcast possible. And I think that's how I can best serve you. Let me know what you think of this. Uh, are there things that you think I should be doing uh, that aren't, I don't know. Don't talk me out of it, but do you agree with what I said or do you not agree? Let me know what you think. Shoot me an email, eric at restaurantunstoppable.com, Instagram, Eric Cacciatore, same as Twitter, and then Facebook slash Restaurant Unstoppable. Keep those five-star reviews on iTunes coming, guys, up to 121 reviews, and they're so incredible, so reinforcing. They really do help me keep going, and they also help uh, provide some social proof that this podcast does rock, so I appreciate those reviews. And um, the best way to support Restaurant Unstoppable is by sharing it with somebody that you know who's aspiring to be great in this industry. Uh, That's what this podcast is all about, is sharing knowledge. And I do think that's going to be the secret to um, positive things in the future. Uh, And that's just making sure that everyone has access to this knowledge and that if we share knowledge, all ships rise with the tide and uh, it levels a playing field. And uh, we bring back the middle class and uh, people just start to realize what it takes to be happy and healthy and uh, unstoppable. So share this podcast. That's the best way to serve what I'm doing. And this has been a long outro, but I want to cover a lot of things there. Uh, so, all right, guys, thanks for sticking around a little bit longer today. I wouldn't be able to do this without you. I love you all until next time. Peace out.